Expect the unexpected with the Chicago Cubs and join me for an action-packed episode of Locked On Fantasy Baseball where I review the 2023 season for the Chicago Cubs. You are Locked On Fantasy Baseball, your daily fantasy baseball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, fantasy baseball fanatics, and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Podcast, brought to you by the Locked On Sports Network, your team every day. As always, you're your number one host for all, uh, number one source for all fantasy baseball knowledge, and thank you for making us your first listen each and every day. I'm your host, Matthew Onay. You can find me on Twitter at Matthew underscore Onay. You can find us on all social media platforms, podcasting apps, and please, if you can, leave us a five-star rating and review. It goes a long way. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the bell below and subscribe to the channel. You'll get all the alerts and notifications you'll need every time we drop a new episode. Also, please subscribe to us on Subtext for a more in-depth, personalized experience of the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast. All right, guys, we got an action-packed episode for you today. And we're going to go over the Chicago Cubs season, which honestly, did not expect them to do so well. Did not expect some of these assets on this team to be so productive for fantasy baseball so we have a lot to talk about a lot of things going on with them and quite honestly i think the first person that we need to talk about and the most relevant for what do we do with him next year and that's cody bellinger cody bellinger had the most unexpected season hands down if you really look at it what he did last year was no indication that this season was going to happen anywhere near close to it it was horrendous 504 at bats, 70 runs, 27 doubles, three uh, three triples, 19 bombs, 68 ribs, 14 stolen bases, batted 210. You know, we all look at Cody Bellinger with, you know, the gaze of yesteryears where, you know, 2019 and 2018 and even 2017, those years where it was just magical, especially that 2019 season. Man, he, he pretty much won almost everybody their leagues that year. You know, 558 at-bats, 121 runs, 34 doubles, 3 triples, 47 bombs, 115 ribs, 15 stolen bases, and batted 305. Since that season, it's just been ugly and getting uglier. I know, I understand, too, in 2021, he was coming back from that shoulder injury, really didn't play a lot, and then 2022 was his first full season, and then, you know, just... I get it. Maybe it takes a little bit more time to come from come back from that injury than we all expected. But quite honestly, it's been some time. I mean, it, what, we're going into the 2024, this 2023 season, right? It's been four years. There was no indication that things were just going to be, there was going to be brighter days with Cody Bellinger, essentially. So ultimately, you got to look at him and you got to, you know, kind of evaluate, is this repeatable for Cody Bellinger? Is this something that he's going to do again? And ah, I think it's possible. I think that we might even see a little bit better next year. Honestly, second year on this team, if he if he is staying with them, I'm not 100% sure on his contract situation, but I believe he'll return to the Cubs, especially after the season he had. And I believe the home runs might even go up. In all honesty, I'm now I'm not going to draft him at his ceiling. I probably will draft him as a top 20 to 25 
outfielder. I haven't finished my outfielder rankings 100% yet. Still tinkering before I can say, hey, they're done. But I like Cody Bellinger for this year coming up. I like the the possibilities. I like where this thing is going with Cody Bellinger, and it makes him an asset again. Now, it all could be fool's gold, and he got it together for one year so he can get paid, and then it all goes down the toilet again. We shall see. And that is why I'm not I'm I'm not sure where I'm ranking him. I'm not sure how it is. I have to do a lot of deep diving and see exactly where he's going to be. But for now, in October, where I'm thinking about next year's baseball season, Cody Bellinger interested me. And I'll have more of an in-depth perspective on Cody Bellinger as we get closer to draft season. But until then, let's hold our breath and wait for what Dom and I cook up. Well, let's move on here. Let's talk about Dansby Swanson. Dansby, honestly, I gave this dude so much hate. Like, I mean, I swear to God, if Haterade was a real product, I would have been their sponsor times 50,000. Their number one sponsor, hands down. There's no question because I threw so much shade this dude's way. And honestly, deservingly so. And here's why. Everybody was chasing last year's season, right? Last year's season was phenomenal. 640 at-bats, 99 runs, 32 doubles, a triple, 25 bombs, 96 ribs, 18 stolen bases, and batted 277. This year, new year, new team, one rule, boom. Part of my decision as to what it was going on, as to to why I was throwing so much shade. 565 at-bats, 81 runs, not too shabby. 25 doubles, not too shabby. Three triples, not too shabby. 22 home runs, not too shabby. 80 ribbies, not too shabby. Now, the batting average, 244. OPS, 744, but not that that far off from his 776. I still don't think he's super elite. I'm going to be honest. I don't think he's this world beater, amazing, oh my God. You know, Dansby Swanson is this top five, top seven shortstop. Shortstop is one of the most deepest positions in fantasy baseball, hands down. And that is why I was saying, you know, I threw so much shade on this dude. It's not that he's not good. It's not that I think he's going to be absolutely putrid. It's more of, I don't think for fantasy, he's going to be the, he's going to pay off for where a lot of people wanted to draft him. And now people are going to look at him in his second year with Chicago and expect him to kind of get back to the 2022 game, 22 year, hope for more upside, but I just don't see it. I don't see him doing more than what he did this year, which isn't atrocious. Again, it's not a bad season. It's just not what everybody really was, you know, buying into the hype, in my opinion. And I just heard a lot of things from a lot of people I talked about in the industry or just the general feeling of Danzy Swanson going into the year. And honestly, just wasn't my cup of tea. Now, he was great at the beginning of the year. He was great down the stretch at certain aspects. But Danzy Swanson did not put a full season that really blew me away. He was just average. And when you look at, you know, names that are shortstops, you know, like I really want to drive this home that I'm not like saying, hey, this dude is horrendous because that's nowhere, shape or form. But like you have names like obviously we're going to say this is it right here. This is going to be your top 10 for for a shortstop, right? Bobby Witt Jr., Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, if you're playing in Yahoo, Corey Seager, Ellie De La Cruz, Gunnar Henderson, O'Neill Cruz, Francisco Lindor, Bogarts, Bobachette, Matt McLean. There's names all over and up and down where you're just like, okay, where does Dansby Swanson fall? And I think 11, 12 
shortstop and 12 man league is where he's going to be the most relevant. He's not my top 10 short uh, shortstop. He's not like, there's even a big drop off. There's a lot of guys I'd take, you know, where after him that like, okay, if I wait and I got a better player, that's going to perform at a different position. I will probably pass on Dansby Swanson and then take one of these lower names and take a shot because I like guys, guys lower. I think Tim Anderson might, will might bounce back. You know, I feel, you know, you look at CJ Abrams, maybe he'll build off this year. You know, there's a lot of names out there that kind of intrigue me more than Dansby Swanson that are later and over above him that I either am going to take over him or I'm going to take guys after him versus settling at Dansby Swanson. And this argument can be completely null and void come draft season once we see ADP. So ultimately, Dansby Swanson is another guy that's going to leave me surprised and pondering where he's actually going to be and how my and how I'm going to be talking about him come draft season based off of, you know, ADP and, you know, what that team's going to look like and ultimately, too, you know, how he starts performing in spring training will either give me a rise or a lower. But until then, we shall see. We have a bunch of exciting names on this list, honestly. I'm very excited to talk about the young dudes. I'm very excited to talk about, you know, second-year players on this team and some exciting pitching names. But until then, I have somebody great to talk about. Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure that you that you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from online evaluations to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consul cons consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical Plus and an additional $20 off by using the code locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-E-S-E medical.com promo code locked on. All right. And we're back here. And another name that was really interesting this year, and that's Nico Horner. Nico kind of put together a decent season and by decent, I mean, way better than I thought he was going to be. I really like the numbers as a total, especially those stolen base numbers. And I see a bright future for this kid. 619 at-bats, 98 runs, 27 doubles, 4 triples, 9 bombs, 68 ribs, 43 stolen bases, 49 walks to 83 strikeouts, batted 288, 83. I love the walk to strikeout ratio. That's phenomenal. Obviously, you got to love the stolen bases and the runs. And quite honestly, with Bellinger hopefully staying in this lineup, with, say, Suzuki, the emergence of Morel, Pete Crow Armstrong, possibly even Matt Mervis, you know, all guys I'm going to talk about soon. Um, you know, this team could do a lot with Nico Horner. Nico Horner could benefit in the runs category, maybe get the ribbies numbers up to about the 75-80 range. The stolen bases, I think, are legitimate. I think that that's just going to be a thing. Now, stolen bases a couple years ago. Sorry, my daughter is not a happy camper out there. Um, but 
I feel like with stolen bases being up as a whole, you know, it kind of dilutes where his value is in total. But at the same time, you know, he's not exactly just a steals cat, uh, a steals contributor. You know, he's contributing in batting average. He's contributing, especially in points leagues for the walk to strikeouts. He's contributing, especially because of the doubles in the points leagues as well. And I just think, you know what? The dude is just going to get the job done for you, especially, you know, second base and, and shortstop. Shortstop, he kind of falls lower in the rankings, in my opinion. But at second base, that is that is a pretty decent, you know, spot for him. I want to see where I actually have Horner right now. If it, So I actually have him at like, like seven at second base, which is actually really nice, you know. You know, of course, you have the top end names like, you know, Simeon, Albies, Altuve in India and, and you know, Cattell and, and Estrada and things like that. But, you know, Horner falls in as, you know, a nice bright spot when there starts to be a drop off, but there's a lot of upside at second base. So it's a matter of what you're willing to pay for Horner and what exactly you feel is his upside moving forward with this Cubs team. So Horner is a very interesting person for next year as well. Somebody I'm excited to kind of get my, my teeth dug into really do a deep dive into him. And honestly, I really just can't wait for ADP. A lot of, a lot of these conversations are going to be based off of, you know, who is a value who's not right now until ADP comes out and we're all start drafting again. It's I, I, I hate and love this time of the year because, okay, the season's over. I'm upset. But I'm excited for the anticipation of the new season and like players like him get me real, real excited to see exactly whether he's going to be a value or, you know, somebody that I'm going to have to avoid just based off of where they're going. But we shall see. Let's hope the hype doesn't go too far. Let's hope people forget about him a little bit so we can get him at a value. Let's move on here. Let's talk about Seiya Suzuki. Seiya had a great season, like really great season, especially honestly that last month. Like, man, he, I had him in a lot of leagues. I picked him off the waiver wire, and he really helped push me through the playoffs and, you know, really got it done for me. I was thoroughly enjoying being a, a Suzuki owner come the end of the season. Um, you know, he had seven home runs through September, which was phenomenal. He batted 370. He had 26 RBIs. He had 19 runs. He really did his thing. The only thing he really didn't, even in, even in, Points leagues, he had the walks, 13 to 22 strikeouts, 13 walks to 22 strikeouts. He had two triples, nine doubles. Like, points leagues, he was also an all-star in that aspect. Now, you look at his numbers on the year as a whole, and it's like, okay, hey, man, you had a good season, you know? But, like, left me kind of wanting more in certain categories. Like, runs, it's 75. Doubles were phenomenal, 31, six triples, another great stat. Home runs, I really thought he was going to do more this year. I feel like maybe next year he takes that step forward and we start seeing more power out of this dude because I think it's legitimate. I think it's there. 74 ribs, again, as this team gets better and he possibly gets uh, you know, moved around in the lineup a little bit, he might have more ribbies opportunities. Stolen bases, I mean, last year nine, this year six. I mean, hey, if he gets me 10, I'm really happy with that. The walk to strikeout numbers on the total year were a little rough 59 to 130 not atrocious almost 60 almost 50 percent but i'd like to see a little bit better because i think he's got it in him and then you know the batting average on the year was really nice at 285 like suzuki definitely had a nice season and i think next year he might take the step forward he's somebody i'm probably going to be targeting uh i let me see where i have him preliminary i know i didn't want to talk about my outfield rankings but 
kind of want to see what I how I was feeling about him like a couple weeks ago, right when the season ended. So right now, funny enough, I have him at 19. I feel like I'm gonna drop him a tad, but I feel like 19, 25 range, I think is a fair spot for Suzuki. I feel like honestly, he'd be your outfielder too. In certain circumstances, I definitely would not feel comfortable walking away with him as my one, but a two would be definitely solid. So Suzuki is going to be very interesting in that matter. And man, I just think next year is going to be very bright for him. I'm not a Cubs fan whatsoever, but I mean, I guess I like a lot of players this year. And a lot of players really had a lot of surprising seasons. He didn't, I really thought he was going to translate this year and because of everything that he had inside of him and all his previous experience overseas. So Suzuki is somebody I think is going to seriously, seriously dominate this year. But let's move on. Let's talk about some everybody's favorite player, I feel, across the industry and honestly across, you know, fantasy baseball, period. Christopher Morell. He's a really exciting player. Like, it's it's really nice to see that the Cubs got somebody really electric in there. Uh, you know, has center field and second base eligibility. And if I check YouTube, probably about 17 other positions, including like manager and catcher. I'm joking, obviously, but hey, Morell is Morell had a pretty good season in his 388 at bats, 62 runs, 17 doubles, three triples, 26 bombs, 70 ribs, six stolen bases, batted 247. That was the only thing that really left me like desiring more from him. But I mean, ultimately, you know, the home run numbers are stellar in the minors before he got the call. He was batting about 330. 2022 hit 306. 2019 hit 284. So like the kid has batting average in him and i think he's more of that new age batting average guy because his walks to strikeout ratios are, are really atrocious you know 30 percent, i believe if i did the math which i'm not going to do on, on uh, live on air but ultimately morell has a lot of upside in this in this regards and if he can get that batting average even to 275 and play a full season man i, I can't wait to see what those year-end numbers are going to be that power is just legit and if that lineup just keeps growing and getting better with the addition of him and Crow, man, it's going to be so much fun. Chicago, you really have a lot of uh, exciting tools at your disposal if everything goes right. And yeah, I just, he's one of them. He's definitely somebody I'm going to be checking and seeing where I'm going to add him. I'm going to have to raise him, I think, in a couple of spots as well. Because, man, it's just, you look at it and it's like, oh, you know, he kind of cooled off a little bit at some point during the season, but then kind of picked it back up. And, you know, it's just him trying to adjust. And you kind of got to, you know, write off a little bit of the bad production just based off of the fact he's really getting, you know, his second real lick after not really getting making the team in the beginning of the year. But it seems like, you know what, he's here to stay this time around. As long as he has everyday playing time, Christopher Morell is going to be very valuable for fantasy baseball come next year. It's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be very fun next year for him. And I, I'm just, I'm really excited to rank him and really, again, get my teeth sank into him as well. And before we talk about two young dudes that's left that I've probably mentioned earlier in this podcast and some pitching, I have one last sponsor to talk about. The MLB, play, MLB playoffs are here, which means the clock is ticking on your, on your chance to win 100 times payout on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now with studs like Acuna, Betts, and Otani. Pick the over-under for these stars like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for 100 times payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right and you can win big. Entries can be made in under a minute, so get those last-minute bets in. 
Use the promo code locked on and you'll get a, up to a hundred dollars match on your first deposit. Plus, Dom and I love Sleeper not only for its easy to use fantasy platform, but they also have the fastest and most accurate alerts. So download that app now and you know take the advantage on the rest of your league. Check out Sleeper today. Terms and conditions may apply. All right. We're down in the nitty-gritty. We're done with all the little things I have to add into the middle of this, and we're going to talk about Matt Mervis. Matt Mervis, I love this dude. You know, I can't say I love what he did when he got the shot this year, but I like I like his upside. Okay? Let's put it that way. He had about he played about 27 games, 90 at bats this year. This is in the bigs. Eight runs, two doubles, three bombs, eleven ribs, eight walks to 32 strikeouts, and batted 167. Ugly numbers in the batting average strikeout walk ratio stuff, but some bright spots. Three home runs, I like that. Two doubles, I like that. He was able to do something. He had a very small sample size. What are you going to do in 27 games? What are you really going to do? Played about a little under a month of baseball in the bigs. Whereas, like, you look at this kid as a whole, you look at his, you know, his minor league track history, and you're like, okay, this is what, like, I think next year could bring for him. There's no guarantee, but this is what it could bring for him. It's all about the upside in in the offseason, right? 362 at-bats in the minors last year, 770 runs, 77 runs. 23 doubles, a triple, 22 bombs, 78 ribs, two stolen bases, 67 walks to 100 strikeouts. Great numbers right there. And batted 282. Yeah, the year before, he batted 309. And, you know, about the same kind of walk to strikeouts. 50, 50 walks to 107 strikeouts. So he does get the job done. And in 2022, he had 36 home runs across A+, AA, and AAA. This year was all AAA. So... The kid has talent, and quite honestly, I think he's somebody that could have a lot of value for next year, but it depends if he makes that opening day roster, if they were just trying to check him out, or if he does make that opening day roster, how long does it take for him to get it going? You know, it could be a slow start for him, and or it could be a hot start. We shall see. Spring training is going to be a big factor in how he's going to be either fly up draft boards or fly or plummet on down. Matt Mervis is going to be probably the most volatile in rankings for fantasy season this year. And I can't wait to see what he does in spring training. It's going to be fun seeing this prospect, but let's move on. Let's talk about Pete Crow Armstrong. Pete Crow. If you guys were listening during the season and, you know, hearing how much I like this kid, you'll understand my excitement behind him. Now, he only played about 13 games, and he didn't do much with his opportunity, quite honestly. 14 at-bats, um, three runs, no doubles, no triples, no bombs, a rib, two stolen bases, got caught stealing twice, too, I might add. Three walks to seven strikeouts, with zero batting average. Like, hey, man, you know what? I don't know exactly what was going on. I don't really get the Cub games out here. Um, But what I can say is not the greatest first impression. But here is kind of what I'm feeling here. You look at this kid's minor league stats this year. I apologize about my kid in the back. 438 at-bats in the minors, 98 runs, 26 doubles, 7 triples, 20 bombs, 82 ribs, 37 stolen bases. He loves to get caught stealing, apparently, 10, 
10 times he was caught um, in the minors last year. 46 walks to 129 strikeouts, batted about 283. Seriously, the kid has, I believe, has power. He clearly has speed. And I think the batting average is going to figure itself out. But he's a new age batting average guy. So things just kind of got to go right. He's somebody that, you know, obviously based off of what spring training brings and we see what he's doing. If he makes the opening day roster, if, you know, all goes well, Pete Crow Armstrong could be somebody we're drafting. But I don't know how high, but maybe somebody we're talking about, hey, last pick or hey, you know, maybe you want to target him around this this round. We'll see what kind of it brings for Pete Crow Armstrong. I think the ceiling potential uh, is limitless. And, you know, certainly you'll hear as we talk about in the offseason how I'm, I'm probably going to be a lot – I'm going to be very on board with Pete Crow Armstrong just based off of the upside. It's going to be one of probably about seven or eight prospects I'm excited for this season. A lot came up this year and kind of translated and has, it's been very exciting for the influx of bats in it as a whole this year. And it's just, it's a really exciting time for baseball. I, I, I surely, I really am excited, excited for this, you know, young talent that's been infused into this league. And I really hope Pete Crow can, join the rest of the the class and really take that step forward next year because he man he could be a special talent but let's move on let's talk about justin Steele. i'm gonna be honest if anybody anywhere told you that justin Steele was going to do what he did this season call them a flat out liar nobody saw this coming okay justin Steele had a phenomenal season okay Oh, it's it's hard to even fathom it. 173 innings pitched, 176 strikeouts, a 306 ERA. He also threw in 16 wins, and he had a 117 WHIP. And here's the scariest part: is FIP fielding independent pitching, which is a predictive stat. If, for instance, he had an average defense behind him, this is what his ERA would actually be. It's a 302, his two is 306, which tells you he literally pitched to his upside, to, to his actual grade. He did his thing. Justin Steele had a great season. Now, here's the thing. I don't know how much of this is real. Last year, he also had a good season. 119 innings pitched, 126 strikeouts. He had a 318 ERA. And again, the FIP was right on par at a 320. The whip was significantly higher. I think he figured that out this year. Now, here's how I'm approaching Justin Steele. I'm not drafting him as a top 10 pitcher. There's no way I'm walking away with him, even as a top 12, as my number one pitcher. I just, I don't feel comfortable doing it. I'm going to be honest. This is my preference. You may feel differently, right? I'm here to give you advice, and then you take that advice and you do what you want with it, right? So Justin Steele, ultimately, I'd feel really great if I walked away with him as a late two, which I don't think is going to happen in draft season. I feel like he's going to be overinflated. I feel like he's going to be drafted super high, and then he might disappoint. I'm probably going to put him, if he is being drafted as a one or ace, I might put him on my bus list. I'm going to draft him where I feel he should go. Probably about 18 to 24 starting pitcher. But he, if he's getting drafted as a top 12, top 15 pitcher, I'm probably going to say he's a bust because I want to just see him do it again. 
Not that I don't think he's got it. I think, honestly, between the fit for the two years, matching and aligning with his ERA, to be honest, it could be real. It could be this. But I still want to see it because he, he came at it almost left field. And I just, I'm not buying it yet. I just can't. I can't buy into it. And, you know, I, I just I don't know why. Maybe, maybe he's just somebody that I overlook. You know, I, I, I can't really put it on. I mean, quite honestly, up until probably about this year, even with like Kevin Gosman, I kind of, you know, write him off sometimes too. And I forget how good he is. And this could be Justin Steele, but this will be the last year I do that with Justin Steele. And hey, maybe I just don't get him. I rather him blow up and go against me and have a great season against me versus him having a disastrous year on my team as my one. And then I'm stuck holding the bag. So that's pretty just my, like my feelings on Justin Steele, but let's move on. Let's talk about Kyle Hendricks, Kyle Hendricks, somebody I, you know what, like I'm looking at and I go, okay, like, you know, this is Dom's dude in all honesty. Like for me, Hendricks just, how do I put this? Is not my bag. If you know what I mean? Like, you know, like that Austin Powers, not my bag, man. But you know what? Ultimately, he didn't have a bad season. 137 strikeouts, 93 Ks, a 3.74 ERA, and a 1-2 whip. And his FIP was pretty much on par. Now, the thing is, the dude is 33 years old. You know, last two years really haven't been wonderful at a 4.8 ERA and a 4.77 ERA. And the FIP was literally on par, pretty damn close to, you know, what he was putting out. So, you know, I don't like that. I also don't like the fact that he's really just not a K per nine guy either. So the the K's aren't really an upside thing, which he's really never been. Honestly, he's never been that K per nine guy. So I guess you know what you're getting with Kyle Hendricks. I just, I don't foresee him being somebody that we're talking about in a higher aspect of top 30, top 40, possibly even top 50. Like he's not, I don't think going to be there for me for that. Like a pick, good pitcher six or seven in like a 12 or 14 man league. That's where Kyle Hendricks probably should be for you. But even then I might take other guys over him. So we shall see on Kyle Hendricks. I, I'm not going to waste too much time on him. He's not one most exciting and two, just I don't feel going to be somebody that's going to be super prevalent come draft season. Let's get this last guy in Javier Assad. You know, interesting name here. Did his thing, though, I got to say. He had 109 innings pitched, 94 strikeouts, a 305 ERA, a 1226 whip. The only thing is that ERA to his FIP, significantly different. It's an ERA, it's a one earn run and a quarter higher than it is, a 429 to his 305 ERA. And it was the same thing last year. So I don't think this is really real. I don't know where I'm going to draft him or rank him yet, but ultimately... I wouldn't buy the hype. Uh, depends on where he's going in ADP is depending on whether he's actually going to be on my teams come next year because he may be worth the shot in deeper leagues. We shall see. But Assad, not the most guy I'm really craving for on my teams going into next year. But that's all for this for uh, for me today, at least. I want to thank you all for hanging in there, checking us out. Please stay with us throughout the whole offseason so that we get you ready for that 2024 season. And if you can leave us a review on Apple and, you know, and a five-star uh, review on there, I'd really appreciate it. But until next time, guys, peace.